0: Welcome to God's Planning, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic.
1: Welcome to God's Planning in this Sunday's uh, Lectio episode on the Solemnity of Pentecost. I am Father Jacob Bertrand Janzik. I'm joined here by Father Gregory Pine, and Father Patrick Briscoe is up in Providence joining us remotely. Um, as has been our custom for, I don't know, several several weeks now, a few months, um, we are going to dive into the Sunday readings to help um, to help prepare you and prepare us for, um, to make a good spiritual communion for those who are still unable to get to Mass on Sunday. We know that throughout the country, um, churches are starting to reopen in various ways. So um, praying for that and praying that you may once again return to the Mass. Uh, that being the case, this will be, as we mentioned in the past, our last um, Sunday Lectio episode. Uh, for the time being, we'll, we'll pick up the practice, um, again, in Advent and through, through those special seasons. Um, so with that, we will, we'll start with the Collect for the Solemnity of Pentecost, and then uh, dive into the readings. O God, who by the mystery of today's great feast sanctify your whole church and every people and nation. Pour out, we pray, the gifts of the Holy Spirit across the face of the earth, and with the divine grace that was at work when the gospel was first proclaimed, fill now once more the hearts of believers. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, our our first reading for the Feast of Pentecost is from the Acts of the Apostles. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded, and in amazement they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Now, then how does each of us hear them in his native language? We are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: In this reading, we hear um, of the great symbol of fire that represents the Holy Spirit. And fire has many different properties, and those properties can help us think about the Holy Spirit's role in our life. Uh, One of the properties of fire is that it warms us. Um, Think of when you're being very cold and how uh, when when you suddenly start to warm up, you start to become more aware of yourself, right? Like if if you have some limbs that have been numb, you become more more aware of those parts of your body that you hadn't felt for some time, and you become prepared for action. So this this property of warmth that prepares us for action is part of what the Holy Spirit does. It takes us out of um, a kind of cold and frozen and fixed place and makes um, parts of ourselves pliable again, ready ready to be used in the service of the Lord. Um, So that's one of the first things that the Holy Spirit does, Um, Another thing that is a property of fire that we can think of how the Holy Spirit acts in our lives is that fire illuminates, right? Fire pierces through darkness and guides, um, guides us. The Holy Spirit does this, right? We um, should often pray prayers to the Holy Spirit to ask to be enlightened so that we can see clearly the way that um, we are to be led, the way that um, the way that fire lights in the night. Uh, The last Great property of fire that I think is worth thinking about um, in this little segment of our lexio together. Uh, the last great property, after warming and after illuminating, the last great property is that fire. Uh, fire wards off things. Fire can be scary and intimidating, um, and the Holy Spirit has this power to ward off <laughs> evils in our lives. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit drives away things that are the enemies of God, and um, like a like a fire that. Acts as a kind of threatening presence. The Holy Spirit does this. Um, now, because of that, we can be we can be afraid to approach the Spirit of God. We can be afraid. Uh, we can be afraid of the directions that the Spirit is going to lead, or what we might see as the Spirit illuminates our way. Uh, but in the end, um, giving over to the work of the Spirit in our lives brings us uh, brings us not fear, but but always peace. Um, so, I think those three properties of fire. You can name other properties, of course, but. I think the, the way that fire warms and prepares for, for action, the way that fire illuminates and shows us the way, and lastly, the way that fire—the way that fire um, def- defends us, protects us—and um, has that kind of uh, intimidating or uh, or um, just striking presence. Those are those are things worth our meditating upon this this Sunday.
2: Okay, um, that was excellent and uh, systematic. I'm going to try something uh, systematic in a different way, uh, which may be wildly unhelpful, but party on. Here we go. Um, I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville, so I take every opportunity to try to describe the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And um, when we hear the words gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can think about those gifts that come with grace, virtue, baptism, you know, the things that are infused in our soul like wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, fortitude, piety, fear of the Lord. So those are... Those are, those are gifts of the Holy Spirit for everyone. Those are gifts of the Holy Spirit that make you holy. But here we have another kind of gift of the Holy Spirit described. Um, so those first ones that we mentioned, they're, they're like kind of um, given to us or described for us in the book of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 11 as the spirit that descends upon the anointed one, upon the Messiah. These gifts of the Holy Spirit, like tongues or prophecy, things of that nature, they're described in 1 Corinthians 12, which is actually where our second reading comes from. So it's, it's pertinent in this discussion. But these types of gifts of the Holy Spirit, sometimes called the charismatic gifts, are peculiar because they don't make you holy in the way that the, uh, the other type do, um, but that they're for the building up of the church. And you can see just how that is meant to operate here in the first Pentecost scene. So later in this passage, it says that 3,000 were added to their number that day. Um, it, these gifts of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues or discernment of spirits or prophecy or word of wisdom or word of knowledge or mighty deeds or healing, etc., they are not for the sanctification of the individual, but therefore the making manifest of the kingdom of God in our midst in peculiar and powerful fashion so that those who witness it, who come in contact with the kingdom of God might be drawn to, you know, seek baptism, um, to welcome the life of grace, uh, to form friendship with the Lord Jesus, to to welcome the Holy spirit into their hearts more perfectly. Um, and so here what we have described is, you know, the, the, The apostles speak, and everyone hears that speech in his own language, uh, which strikes them as marvelous and is a kind of antecedent step or an introductory step into their coming into the the reception of the faith. Um, So, yeah, so you have two different kinds of gifts of the Holy Spirit. The one mentioned in Isaiah makes you holy. The other mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 does not necessarily make you holy, but is for making the kingdom of God manifest in powerful fashion. And so the gift of tongues is for that purpose. So if you can't speak in tongues, it's not to worry It's not for everyone and it's also not doesn't make you holy But it's just one of the ways by which the Lord uh, makes the kingdom of God known in manifest
1: fashion The way in which um, the Holy Spirit affects the Apostles uh, Is is an important one um, As as Father Patrick explained the, the, the Holy Spirit comes in those tongues of fire and fire has particular effects on people and those effects, as Father Gregory was just explaining, uh, can can take the form of various gifts for the manifestation of the kingdom of God, uh, the manifestation of the church that has been coming together over these weeks from the resurrection. Um, but also at this moment of Pentecost, we see um, a fulfillment of a type from the Old Testament. So when, when the apostles are given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the first thing that they do is they preach, they preach the gospel. They preach Jesus Christ in languages um, that can be understood. And this this kind of harkens back to a fulfillment or a recreation a recapitulation all the way back to the book of Genesis um, and and the story of the Tower of Babel, where in the, the Tower of Babel, uh, people were building this tower to try to reach the heavens, um, something that is sort of akin to the sin of Adam and Eve of trying to be made like gods on their own terms. And as that tower collapsed, um, God uh, dispersed them through their languages their language so introduce different languages amongst the people so that they could no longer communicate that they could no longer use language in their ways of communication uh, for evil um, but here in the moment of fulfillment when the Holy Spirit comes when the Church is to be one again united by the merits and the blood of Christ language is no barrier to the proclamation of the Kingdom the Holy Spirit is not bound by by human limitations, by human understanding. In fact, the Holy Spirit is such that it it goes way beyond human limitations and human understandings for the sake of salvation to bring others into the fold. And this is why, you know, we sometimes when we hear a scripture passage and there's a list of details. And in this passage from Acts, we have a list of all the places where people are from. It's kind of like, well, it's just kind of a list. And sometimes they're hard words to pronounce or hard places to pronounce and you, you kind of you know why? Why is it there? Well, it's there to show that um, that that salvation, that the the effects of the Holy Spirit, the effects of this promised Counselor and Advocate, are not simply reserved for the apostles. It's not simply reserved for the Jewish people, but for all peoples. For all peoples. And in this moment, there's there's the beginning of yet another. Fulfillment and this time the fulfillment of Jesus's words at the end of the Gospel of Matthew to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. As soon as the Holy Spirit comes, that's precisely what the apostles and what the church does to bring in 3,000 more people in a day um, to the church. Um, that, for all intents and purposes, was kind of about 12 or, or 13 people at the time. That 3,000 is a staggering number. With that, we'll turn to Father Patrick for our second reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians.
0: Brothers and sisters, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. As a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we were given we were all given to drink of one spirit the word of the lord
2: thanks, thanks be me. to god so in this passage you see one of the controlling metaphors that saint paul uses to describe the church so the church is the body of christ and that's a language with which we are familiar perhaps overly familiar but sometimes we can fail to appreciate the force with which it communicates the nature of the life of grace and specifically our own incorporation um, into the Lord Jesus Christ and our being taken up into the Godhead as a result. So we are the body of Christ head and members. It's common to talk about the grace of the Lord Jesus as first a grace of union, a grace that uh, kind of takes the human nature up into a divine person, which grace fills his human soul. So it's a grace that he has habitually And then that grace is shared with the church. And when we talk about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as shared with the church, it's common in the Thomistic tradition to talk about it as capital grace. So capital there taken from the Latin word, which just means head. So the Lord is head of the body and we are his members. And so each must be content in this understanding to to be small and to play his part. Because if each part of the body wanted to be big and noteworthy, it wanted to be most excellent and most prominent, then that would be a monstrous creature indeed. Like picture uh, if your right like thumb toenail was like, I want to be the most noteworthy thing about this human being. Like I can't imagine a situation and that would be anything other than monstrous. Um, so each must be content to be what he or she is, to be small and to play their part. And that's, I mean, this is the genius of St. Therese when she looks out and the different flowers of the field and sees some roses and some violets and some lilies and each is beautiful in its place and each is beautiful as part of a kind of mixture, as part of a kind of coming together of different things. So as a body is one, though it has many parts and all the parts of the body, though many are one body, so also Christ. So we are diverse, but our diversity is not merely to be celebrated as diversity. It's not like I come across somebody who speaks a different language from me, who has a completely different history and background from me, who values different causes than I, and I look at them, I see them as different and then I just rejoice at the fact that they are different and move on. That would not be a real human engagement, right? It would just be a kind of fear of cultural appropriation and thereby holding at arm's length what I cannot cognize. What we are meant to be, you know, we are made to be diverse for the purpose of unity so that we would be enriched in a kind of common bond of charity. And you'll hear it described in the church's tradition that the Holy Spirit is just the soul of this body. The Holy Spirit is spoken of as animating. You can think back to what Father Patrick said about fire and heat. When, when you're around a campfire after having had like a long day sledding or having taken a long hike, you know, and it's real windy and blustery, you can feel the life returning back to your limbs like he described. It's, it's animating. And even when you, when you look at fire, it's, it's almost as if it were alive um, because it moves, right, because it, it self-generates. It tends to consume everything in its immediate vicinity. So too, the Holy Spirit is fire. The Holy Spirit is life. The Holy Spirit animates the church. So we, though many, are one body by virtue of the fact that we have all been given to partake of the same spirit who imparts life and unifies us in the common pursuit of the Lord.
0: The uh, Dominican friar who was my inspiration for joining the order, his name is Father Fabian. I know I've talked about him before, but he used to quote that line all the time from the uh, Popular song, "What the world needs now is love, sweet love." <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Father, Father didn't mean what the world needs now is a more, more fulfilling experience of romance or uh, you know it's, it's anything to do with the emotional state. What Father meant was the Holy, Father meant the Holy Spirit. What the world needs now is love. Uh, the person of the Holy Spirit, that's what the world needs, Um, the the bond between the Father and the Son. St. Paul tells us that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Uh, The only way by which we come to recognize what God has done in our lives is uh, God himself. It's not something that we are ever ourselves even capable of recognizing on our own ability. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's love, sweet love, uh, himself, that person of love that allows us to understand the work that Christ has done um, in our own lives. If it were left to our own abilities, we would never be able to fathom it, right? Uh, like the great mysteries of the faith we couldn't have come to through human reason. Um, we Dominicans place a, 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 a huge priority on the role of reason in our lives, but we have to admit right, when, um, when we need to turn to faith this is one of those places where we say, okay, this is where human reason, this is where human reason, um, where human reason um, is limited because God only God allows us to see the work of God in our lives. Again, that's all that I'm trying to say. We can confess that Jesus is Lord, um, anyway, but through the Holy spirit uh, we need the love of God. We need that proper person, the Holy spirit to allow us to recognize the work that God has done in our lives and to see the work that God is doing for our salvation.
1: When we look at the Gospels, um, even when we look at the Old Testament, but when we look at the Gospels in particular, and, and the people um, as they, as they got gathered around Christ, I, I don't know if you would call like the apostles and the followers of Jesus in the Gospels um, like Christians at this point. I mean, they are, but it's kind of anachronistic, but there's sort of these proto-Christian communities that are forming during Christ's earthly mission. And then after his death, you have the apostles and his followers, again, gathered um, gathered together in the locked room, praying, you know, for fear, um, out of fear, and then waiting to see, you know, they simply don't know what's going to happen. And as as we've read through the Acts of the Apostles, how, how the church has um, come to be, and how more and more were baptized, you know, even from the first reading of, um, for today, there's there's a real, um, and Father Gregory was talking about this, there's a real, uh, I guess, element of of oneness, and that kind of sounds like modern kind of jargon, you know, that, that we are all one in Christ. And I mean, it's that's directly from St. Paul, and I think kind of perhaps in the modern understanding or our modern kind of conception of that, it does become kind of like you know, let's all sit around and sing Kumbaya and, and that kind of thing. But the, the reason that, that we're united into one in Christ is because through, through the sacraments, through the grace of the sacraments and through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we are brought into that one body. Um, we function differently. We may act differently. Um, we may have different gifts that we sort of bring to the table or use to cooperate. But, but in the end, that, that union serves for our sanctification because we are saved in the one Godhead, who is one. Uh, the the whole idea here, um, the, as, as Father Gregory was talking about the difference between sanctifying grace that's, that makes holy the individual and that gratuitous grace that manifests the kingdom, both of those still serve for the same end, for that same end of, of pursuing the common good as a church, pursuing holiness together. And I think that's a beautiful quality of the church of the universal church and of, of, the Catholic church, that, that there is a common pursuit of the same end. We're moving to God together. There isn't, there, there's a, there's an idea and a reality of our individual and personal relationship with Christ. But in the end, um, we're moving as, as a church together to, to our, to our heavenly home. Um, there, there's this beautiful, I think, Play between like the individual becoming part of something much greater. Um, in the letter of Saint Paul and in this letter, and as he uses the body imagery and these sorts of things. Uh, but I also think for us, very ought to be something very reassuring, very comforting, um, something that gives us strength, um, strength in that unity uh, that we are members of a church that is guided by the Holy Spirit, that is not left, you know, we're not left to our own devices, but can trust in the reality of something that sort of brings us along. Um, there's great protection, there's great strength, there's great, um, great grace in that reality for, for all of us. The gospel for the Solem- solemnity of Pentecost this year is from the gospel of John, and Father Gregory is going to read that for us.
2: And whose sins you
1: retain are retained. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting that this gospel is ours on the solemnity of Pentecost because it takes place. It takes place just after the resurrection, so we're sort of back 50 days from from where we are in the liturgical in the liturgical calendar. Um, so in some ways, it anticipates what is to come, but it's also the fulfillment of what is because it's you know it happens now and. Um, the Lord here, he, he breathes on the disciples. Um, it's sort of the breath of life. He gives the breath of life and and foreshadows, anticipates the coming of the Holy Spirit, sort of the life breath of the church as, as we, um, as we talked about. And like the first reading um, and how I, how I mentioned in the first reading, the, the Tower of Babel and the kind of fulfillment or recreation there, there's There's one here, too, that should, you know, kind of stand out to us, and that as Christ breathes on the apostles in the upper room, um, he does so as as the creating, or now, the recreating God in the new covenant. You know, so in in the second creation story in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 2-7, God breathes into Adam. He breathes into his nostrils and gives him life. So in the Old Testament, before the fall, we have God breathing life as he creates. And now in the New Testament— uh, in the new covenant, we have God breathing yet again, recreating with this life, with this life of grace. Uh, so the, the breath of God, we can think of as as that recreation and, and grace. And Christ gives this to to the church and the apostles. It's interesting that this gospel ends with um, Christ giving the apostles the ability to forgive sins. Uh, that the church comes alive. Um, with in tandem with this ability uh, to forgive sins um, Saint John Paul iI said that mercy is God's love in the face of sin and we often talk about the sacrament of reconciliation um, of confession as the sacrament of mercy where we meet mercy and where that divine friendship is rekindled after we have fallen um, it shouldn't be lost on us that that the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, the way in which the Holy Spirit, changes us and changes the apostles such that they preach such that they are reanimated with with that with that tongue of fire as Father Patrick has already explained beautifully for us that in tandem with that connected with that intimately they can't be divorced is is the gift of the sacrament of of reconciliation to continue to give us the Holy Spirit to continue to strengthen us and, and sort of urge us forward in our in our pursuit of Christ and in our pursuit of holiness.
0: what the risen Christ offers is peace. And we could be tempted to look around our lives and say, okay, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm doing all the right things. You know, I wear my mask when I go to the grocery, I follow all the rules. Why, why, why am I not at peace? Why am I not at peace? And um, the reason of course, as we've talked about many times uh, on this show is um, that this world is filled with a contest of sin. But it's not as if christ leaves us without any helps um, to to find peace and i would hope that each of us can think of moments in our lives where we where we've been just so overcome by the work of christ by the holy spirit um, that we felt foretaste of that kind of peace that we'll have in heaven and i think the apostles must have all known that in this moment right this moment where they receive the gift of the holy spirit um where, where Christ gives them peace where his, his peace would have just rushed over them and it would have been something that they could cling to, something they could go back to um, when things are hard, when, uh, when they're not sure how their future is going to look like. It's um, the graces of moments like this that, that sustained the apostles and it's graces um, in the moments of our Christians' lives like this where we've had a taste of the peace of Christ that continue to sustain us. That despite the powers of evil and the reality of sin that continue to threaten the peace in our hearts that we experience so often in the world today, we know that there's something deeper, that the Holy Spirit will continue um, to unknot the cords uh, that we put in our hearts, and that the Holy Spirit will continue to deliver tastes of that peace um, and animate us as um, as we pursue that peace that is our ultimate end in the beatific vision.
2: So maybe just then a, a final word about the Most Blessed Trinity. We know that our God is three persons. The Father begets the Son, and the Father and Son uh, breathe forth the Holy Spirit from all eternity. And those movements in God, those processions in God, actually spill into creation. And so um, the Father sends the Son um, to be born of a woman, to be born under the law, to deliver from the law those who were subject to it. And we call this mission um, a visible mission, because we can see the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. And we can also talk then about visible missions of the Holy Spirit, because the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit into the world. The one that we think of most often is the tongues of fire that we heard described in the first reading. But When St. Thomas talks about the Holy Spirit, he describes four visible missions. So at the Lord's baptism, the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. At the transfiguration, he is present in the form of a cloud. Uh, and then in the upper room here, he says that when Jesus breathes on his apostles, giving them the power to bind and loose, he breathes on them the Holy Spirit, as he himself describes. So you have with the tongues of fire in Acts 2. There are four visible missions of the Holy Spirit. And what a visible mission is, is just a making present of a person of the Holy Trinity in time and in space in peculiar fashion. So God is present to all times and places because he's giving us being, he's giving us the ability to act, and you know everything that is is transparent to him. Uh, but he is made to dwell in peculiar fashion in those whom he inhabits by grace, but made to dwell in yet more peculiar fashion in these visible missions. So in the Feast of Pentecost, we think about the most triune God who is always uh, together in its action. so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present on this great solemnity, but that the Holy Spirit is made present in especially peculiar fashion, especially excellent fashion, who is sent to us in the form of tongues of fire, of divine breath, an enveloping cloud, a dove descending, so that we might be sanctified, made holy by he who is holy, by the gift which is given, um, and ultimately so as to be drawn up into the triune life. So it spills out from the most holy trinity, so as to return back to the most holy trinity. And that's at the heart of the solemnity, which we commemorate today.
1: Well, with that, uh, we conclude our Lexio for Pentecost, but we also conclude our Sunday Lectio series uh, for the time being. As mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, we hope that all of you uh, have benefited from these weeks. I think we started this uh, the third week of Lent, so it's been uh, a little bit of time, which has been uh, <laughs> it's been great, and I think hopefully fruitful for you for you all, and I think fruitful for us too. Um, so, yeah, our hope is that as the, as the summer weeks progress, you are able to get back into church to receive the sacraments, even if still in a mitigated way. Um, but know that our prayers are with you in that. Uh, looking forward, we have a couple uh, a couple kind of good things to, to perhaps to tune into. Uh, first, uh, the Thomistic Institute is carrying on their work. So, um, yeah, what do you have coming up with the Thomistic Institute? So, yeah, quarantine lectures proceed apace. pace. You can look for them on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and
2: Thursdays. Uh, this upcoming week, we'll have a lecture from one of the lay professors at the Dominican House of Studies, Dr. Greg Lanave, on St. Bonaventure. And then on Thursday, we'll have a lecture from Father Thomas Joseph. That's part of our Aquinas 101 Live program. Uh, so, Aquinas 101 is a series of videos on the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas. It's a good way to get basic literacy with the Thomistic the tradition. Um, and then these Aquinas 101 Live videos are a way of kind of diving deeper with a speaker. So, we'll we'll play a couple of videos at the beginning and then he'll give a more searching, exploration of those themes, and then have a lot of time for questions and answers. So you can join those on Zoom, on YouTube, and on Facebook. So Quarantine Lectures and
1: Aquinas 101, both proceed at pace. Excellent. And then also this coming week in anticipation of Pentecost, um, we are teaming up with Alatea for a Pentecost retreat. Uh, Father Patrick is kind of heading that up, so he'll tell us just a, you know a little bit about what to expect, how to tune in, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, this is a really great little venture, and um, certainly a first for uh, Alatea. Um, Alatea is a Catholic news and spirituality website. It's one of my evangelical projects, or an evangelical project that I'm involved with, I should say. Um, the idea, the proposal here, is that we recognize that many people um, who would have made a summer retreat are going to miss that opportunity because of um, the COVID nineteen pandemic. So our our idea was to give, um, to give a little bit of content to provide something of a retreat um, digitally. As the summer opens, many people are finishing up the school year or have already finished it, and it just seemed like the right moment as we approach Pentecost to really look to the Holy Spirit. So uh, the retreat is called Unleashing Fire. It will go for seven nights. And the conferences will premiere at 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, but they can be watched anytime at your convenience thereafter. Uh, the speakers of the conferences are the hosts of God's Planning, including myself, Father Gregory, Father Jacob Bertrand, another Dominican prior, Father James Brent, and three sisters of life, Sister Marie Veritas, Sister Bethany Madonna, and Sister Mara Stella. They're all incredible women, um, and you'll certainly enjoy um, what they have to say and their witness of faith. So each night features a conference by one of those seven speakers. And a prayer, a meditation, um, following the conference. Um, so the conferences will unpack the gifts of the Holy Spirit and help us to look to the Holy Spirit as a source of renewal um, in in these days, um, which are fraught with their own particular difficulties. Um, and so our prayer is that this, our prayers that this retreat will offer um, a lifeline to people who who are looking for that in their spiritual lives.
1: And as always, we thank you for tuning in to God's planning. Uh, Feel free to like us on whatever platform you're listening. Share us with, uh, with those who you think might benefit from listening to us. We are, uh, of course, continuing, continuing with our Thursday episodes, so stay tuned for those as we head into the summer. And um, yeah, thanks. Know of our prayers uh, for you and uh, that we are remembering you at the altar. And with that, we will conclude with the uh, prayer, uh, the, the prayer after communion for the Feast of Pentecost. I was open to the prayer over the offerings. Here we are. (laughs) O God, who bestow heavenly gifts upon your church, safeguard, we pray, the grace you have given, that the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out upon her may retain all its force, and that this spiritual food may gain her abundance of eternal redemption through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Until next time, God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.